the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It's a delight to bring back Dan Galerter. Dan Galerter is a columnist for American Greatness, living in Connecticut. Dan, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You betcha, absolutely. Uh, This is an important piece you wrote uh, and had published in American Greatness uh, last night, the story of the FBI's family tweet for those that don't know what you're talking about on monday the fbi released a tweet that said quote family members and peers are often best positioned to witness signs of mobilization to violence and help prevent homegrown violent extremism you point out that if you go to the fbi's pamphlet on this um it's about homegrown violent The title is Homegrown Violent Extremist Mobilization Indicators, and it has to do primarily with foreign terrorist organizations, ISIS, al-Qaeda, and the like. Still be afraid, be very afraid. Tell us why. Well, it's, it's really bizarre when you look at this from the FBI's perspective that they didn't see how this would play with people, how it would strike people. They claim that in this instance they're just talking about people who want to go overseas to help al-Qaeda or something like that. However, of course, this comes in the wake of uh, the government explaining to us, the Justice Department, the White House, and parts of the FBI explaining how they're going to help track down domestic terrorism, by which they mean, first of all, anyone who was involved in the January 6th protest or showed up in Washington, D.C. that day, which could have been many more of us, I suspect, than actually went. And then just basically anyone who has our view of questioning, for example, the recent election and questioning the unlimited ascendancy of government power, uh, the government is going to crack down on, on those people, they explain. And they want you to help them. If you happen to have a family member who may be showing tendencies of being a little bit too conservative in their view, maybe you could, you could help them out and let them know. You know, Twitter is doing this. With uh, uh, you may be familiar with this. Uh, I think it was about a week, maybe two at the most, but about a week ago, Twitter started putting notices uh, to people who were sending tweets that might be the kind of tweet you and I would normally send or the kind of story you and I might normally send to each other, uh, warning people that they might be in the presence of someone who's an extremist. Yep. And um, a friend of mine uh, this, and this was before the election. A friend of mine said that the FBI had actually come to his house yeah. because Facebook had reported him for making threats against Antifa, right. which was what the FBI agents told him. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if anyone in the government is smart enough or in D.C. to kind of scratch their head and maybe rub their chin just a little bit and say, how is something like this going to be perceived? The American people have gone through a year where mayors and governors have told people to rat out family and friends if they're congregating outside on Easter during COVID. Um, we have 
we've 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 listened to Twitter and Facebook telling us that our views are extreme, the same kind of thing that the administration tells us is responsible, not for the erosion of democracy in America, but by the destruction of democracy in America. We are being told by the press secretary and the president that people are going to be knocking on doors to ensure vaccination. Listen to your president, Dan, if I might take from you just a little time yesterday. Listen to your president from yesterday. Oh, on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War. The Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January the 6th. Do you have the part above that? The part above that where he talks of bullies and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies threatening the very foundation of our country. The part with the timestamp I sent. Okay, Dan, this is your president comparing. This is the president comparing um, January 6th to the Confederacy, actually making it worse than the Confederacy. Prior to that, he says, make no mistake, bullies and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies are threatening the very foundation of our country. He said there was an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote in free and fair elections, an assault on democracy, an assault on liberty, an assault on who we are, who we are as Americans. Dan, when they, when you hear this from the president and then you hear or see the FBI saying family members and peers are often best positioned to witness signs of mobilization to violence and help provone prevent homegrown violent extremism. Can you blame the American people for thinking their government is at war with them? Well, the funny thing is that Biden is absolutely correct in everything he said. He just doesn't realize that he's talking about himself Mm -hmm. and his own administration. When he talks about uh, a fundamental threat to American democracy, when he talks about bullies and merchants of fear, when he talks about this being the greatest challenge that we face since the Civil War, he is right about all of that. But his administration is the one that's creating the fear, that is spreading the lies, that is intimidating people, and that is trying to destroy democracy. It is precisely the inverse. But the thing you have to remember about progressives is that they, they have nothing to uh, compare to. They have no way to analogize to history, to look from lessons of the past, because they, they don't know any history. Uh, even Biden, who's been around for long enough to have forgotten, well, he's forgotten everything. But Biden should know better. Um, the younger people who are actually running his administration don't. And the younger people in the FBI don't. They don't understand why it would make someone uncomfortable to be told that you should inform on your neighbors or your friends. They don't know the history of the Nazis doing this, of the, getting the French to do it. The French love to do it, incidentally, of the Soviets more or less inventing this technique. They don't realize that it is a tool of terrorism and despotism. And I think that even if they did realize it, they would probably be glad to wield it anyway. Uh, see, I almost think they do. And, and, and the, reason, the reason I think that is they have had um, a pretty hard time of finding the wherewithal, Dan, to denounce the socialism in their own party. They've had a pretty hard time of denouncing not just the socialism, but let me put it in a positive light. They've actually endowed it. 
Think of the members of the House of Representatives who are proud members of the DSA, the Democrat Socialist Alliance, or the Democrat Socialists of America, rather. Think of the Ilan Omars and the Rashida Tlaibs and the AOCs. Nancy Pelosi, they all had primary opponents. Nancy Pelosi steered the NR, excuse me, the National Democratic Congressional Committee to endow and endorse the socialists, not the primary opponents. Same for the National Democratic Senatorial Committee with Bernie Sanders. That there, that I, I, I just at this point assume that they have no compunctional or problem with what's going on in Cuba any more than they did when Bernie Sanders said breadlines are a good thing. Of course, this is this is really something new. I think that Obama was the last president on the Democrat side who had to say. God bless America. Now, he didn't believe it. We, we knew at the time that he didn't believe it, but at least he said it. He knew that he had to say it. Democrats no longer think they have to say that. They, first of all, they, they no longer think they have to pretend they believe in God, but they, they don't actually have to pretend they believe in America either. The Democrat Party today, the progressive wing, which has taken them over and which is now taking over the whole country, has no affiliation whatsoever with American ideals. They don't know anything about traditional Americanism. What they know, they hate. They don't want this system. They don't actually want democracy. And that's why they're working so hard and so far very successfully to destroy it. One of the things, I, I fully agree, and one of the things, Daniel, that is the irony of our time, maybe there's a book in it, I don't know. But one of the ironies of our time is that while Joe Biden can talk about the Confederacy and January 6th in the same breath as if January 6th were worse than the Confederacy. He said not even the Confederates breached the Capitol, right? That's an effort to make January 6th look worse. It's defining deviancy up when it comes to January 6th. It's defining deviancy down when it comes to the Confederacy. The grand irony in all this, Dan, is that there were two views in 18. 59, 1860, 1861 through 1865, there were two views of our founding. One side thought our founding was racist or at least was based on the racial issue and designed to perpetuate and extend slavery. And one side thought our founding was designed to put slavery on the ultimate road of extinction. The first side was the side of the Confederacy. And you hear that same exact analysis of America and that same exact interpretation of our founding from Biden and the left and BLM and Antifa and the CRT activists and the 1619 Project. I'd love your comment when we come back, but they are the Confederates, not us. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Dan uh, Daniel Galanter is our guest. He is a columnist at American Greatness and his most recent piece, The Story of the FBI's Family Tweet. I, I would retitle it, Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid, unless, Dan, you think that's overstating it. Am I being paranoid? No, I don't think so. And as much as uh, we are beginning to run into people, you know, friends of ours who have been contacted by the FBI and so forth, and I think many of us 
can imagine ourselves as um, having been in the January 6th protest, not for the purpose of overthrowing the government as the government currently claims, but rather the reverse. Um, it's easy to put ourselves in the shoes of people who are currently being persecuted by the federal government. And so I think, yes, be afraid at this point, or at least be cognizant. Now, what's interesting to me uh, about this, Dan, is I don't know where it ends. I have done my level best to point out the efforts the left has gone through. Really, I, I keep saying the left, but at this point, I might as well just say the Democratic Party and the rest of the left, because the Democratic Party has nurtured and nursed this thing to a fairly well. I have been trying to point out something you do in your column, but when they continually paint us as the fascists, uh, when they continually uh, paint us as Joe Biden said yesterday, bullies and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies who threaten the very foundation of our country. Um, and then he says he swore an oath that forms a sacred trust to defend America against all threats, both foreign. And then he emphasizes domestic and then he gets applause for that. I, I have to tell you, it is they who show the betrayal of knowledge about Nazism. It is they who show a betrayal of knowledge about fascism. And it is they who betray their knowledge about tyranny. They, they, they use it against us so liberally that they have rendered it almost meaningless. But what they have shown through what you write, obviously, evidencing some of this, what they have shown is they have no idea what they're talking about because they are using the very tactics of the Nazis and the Stalinists. Indeed, that's what fascist governments have done since the beginning. And you should point out that, as Churchill said, fascism is the shadow or ugly child of communism. They are uh, co-equal systems in, in fundamental sense. But um, it's fascinating to see how quickly the calls for unity, which yep. were, was the main administration line, have been replaced with the calls for, for stamping out the enemy within. And I think that, to an extent, it's because the administration realized that the unity calls weren't working, and also because they didn't really believe in it in the first place. What anyway. unity did they extend, I have to ask? Because um, I, 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 I remember Joe Biden's inauguration. He, um, he spoke about the evils he fought, and he bookmarked it yesterday. When he said, again, quoting from his speech, we did it in 2020, the battle for the soul of America. In that battle, democracy prevailed, our Constitution held, and we have to do it again. You do understand what he's saying here, right? He's saying here that if you believe in standing with America and protecting democracy, you vote for the Democratic Party. If you vote for the opposite, you believe the opposite. That's what he's saying there. Republicans and the conservative view is untermensch, non-people. Just, just as, as as he said, you know, if you're black, you have to vote yes. for the Democrat Party. Yes. It's, you know, as there's there's the party of good and the party of evil. And, and that's also a very... Um, anti-liberal view, and I, I mean in the sense of classical liberalism here, um, the idea that there can be no legitimate difference of opinion, that the people who agree with you are the good people, and the people who disagree with you are not wrong, they are not under a difference of opinion, they are actually evil and worthy of extermination. And that is what led to the communists killing 60 million people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they can and, and they can enunciate, they can defend or justify 
these uh, subversions of civil liberties in the name of almost anything. I am in recollection that uh, on Bastille Day, we had something called the Committee for Public Safety. Historians now refer to it as a reign of terror. We've had those kinds of committees for public safety here. Um, we've had them for the past year and a half, Dan. Um, and I, 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 I just... I. I it has led perhaps to the greatest violation of civil liberties in this country since World War II or the Palmer raids under Woodrow Wilson. I never thought we would see it in America at this point in time, but we do, and we have. I think that um, government inherently attracts people who shouldn't be there uh, because that's where the power is, and it attracts people who want power. Now, unfortunately, in a liberal democracy and a Republican democracy, the only people you really want to trust with power are the people who don't want to have it. And so as a result, it's very difficult for us to get up a good opposition to this philosophy because there are a plenty, there are plenty of good Americans who would be excellent in Congress and the Senate, who would be excellent at the state level. And the state level is so important, it is impossible to overemphasize how important it is that we continue to control state legislatures because that's the only way we can possibly implement uh, reasonable anti-fraud measures for the next electoral cycle. But our side naturally does not want to get that involved because the best people have better things to do than dedicate their lives to managing other people. And that is, uh, to an extent, a reluctance which we have to work to overcome. For the sake of the nation here, we have to find people on our side who, uh, who believe in limited government and the fundamental promise of American freedom and convince these people that they need to oppose, start by opposing the weak, feckless, and corrupt Republicans who have allowed this to happen for so long. Because I will tell you, the election could not have worked out the way it did without Republican complicity. And it's not just a straight-up corruption thing, but in many cases they simply want to be friends with the people on the other side. They want to be in power. That's the most important thing to them. These people need to be removed and replaced with people who will actually serve the American people. You said a volume. You gave an entire class of Politics 101 in that. And it reminds me that I think that one of the problems we conservatives have in this arena is the talking point, the talking point of local control, the talking point of the Tenth Amendment. I knew this from education work I've done, Dan. You've done some with me many lifetimes ago, that just giving it back to the states or the localities is no insurance of quality or even uh, democracy, because you will find, as a lot of these school board members find, there's a lot of mischief that can be taking place at the local and state level if you don't get involved, a lot. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the vote fraud techniques that were used to influence the national election uh, started out at the local level because that, that makes sense and it's easiest to start them. And um, in, in many places, they started just over the campaign for a local school board because that comes along with a lot of local patronage. And it, it may amount to a few million dollars, but that's significant money for a town, certainly. Um, corruption works both ways. The advantage of dispersing power um, among state and local uh, governments is that because they're not in charge of the whole deal, you can leave 
a bad locality or a bad state and go to a good state. And now, yeah, no, no, that's right. That Listen, I, I got to do a break. I've got callers and another point from a emailer. Can you stay one more time, one more moment, for another Absolutely. segment? That would be great. Thank you, Dan Galerner. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have Dan Galerner with us. He is a contributor to a columnist for American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Should give out the website. And his uh, most recent piece uh, posted last night, extremely important. The story of the FBI, uh, the story of the the story of the FBI's family tweet. Easy for me to say. Dan, um, we have a caller, uh, Mike, who wants to take some issue with us, which is always welcome. Mike, you're on the on the line with me and Dan. Yes, thank you, Seth, for taking my call. I just wanted to real real quick to just say uh, it was exciting to get to meet you finally oh, when you were you. with uh, Seb Gorka oh, and yes, Mike Calgary. Yes, uh, and I, I have a disagreement. Okay, um, and, and you did this earlier in the show too. You were talking about how they didn't know what they were doing. Uh, in accordance with uh, uh, helping Al Qaeda and all these things, uh, and now that, you're saying it again. That with, who with didn't? The, I'm sorry, Mike. Help me out. That who didn't know what they were doing? Well, uh, the Democrats, the uh, the, Bi- the yeah. Democrats, the okay. Biden administration, uh, but I mean, with with the exception of Joe Biden himself, uh, because he doesn't know where he is half the time anyway. I, I don't. I truly don't think he knows what he's doing. But uh, but all the other people around him, I think, do know what they're doing, and they're doing it on purpose because they have a specific goal in mind to change, fundamentally change America into a socialist, communist country. And so I, I really believe they're doing all these things that they're doing on purpose. I think they're pulling us out of Afghanistan on purpose. Uh, I think they're pulling, they're, they're giving money to the... Uh, to the uh, insurgents and uh, all the all these things they're doing on purpose, knowing very well what's going to happen. Okay, Mike. Um, thank you. Let me get let me let me make my point, and then I'll let Dan make his. I don't know that you and I have a disagreement, and and I thought I put it your way, and if I didn't, I meant to, and it may have been a uh, a moment of um, uh, just an issue of emphasis. But when Joe Biden says, as he said yesterday that our side is suppressing and subverting the right to vote in fair and free elections, assaulting democracy, assaulting liberty, assaulting who we are as Americans, bullies and merchants of fear and peddlers of lies threatening the very foundations of democracy. That about Republicans, okay? I'm going to tell you right now, Dan, I'll, I'll, I'll let you comment on this and Mike in a moment. I'm going to tell you right now, There will be no language like that so harsh against Iran for trying to kidnap and kill an American citizen today on American soil. There will be no language like that about the regime in Cuba. That language is reserved for Republicans. Um, And that, yes, of course, is deliberate. But, Dan, I'll let you respond as well. Yeah, I actually don't think there's a disagreement here because I, I agree that the Democrats are cognizant of what they're doing. With, I think you're quite right, the exception of Joe Biden, who merely says what he's told to say when he can remember it. But the the thing that the Democrats don't necessarily know is why we're a little bit awake to this, why it makes us nervous, why things right. like, you know, rat on your neighbor makes us nervous, right. because they don't know the history there. But they certainly know what the goal is. You're absolutely right. 
They, they, they don't like democracy, they don't like freedom, and they want to get rid of it all. So they certainly know the goal they're tending toward. Hey, Dan, uh, someone made this point the other day. I think it might have been Conrad Black, if memory serves. But he was making the point that, you know, Joe Biden was the un-Sanders. You know, he was the part of the Democratic Party that your grandfather knew. He was the part of the Democratic Party that could be moderate, that would be the the the, the anti the un un Bernie Sanders. And I have to I have to tell you, buddy, I I it seems to me there's nothing this Biden administration has done that the Sanders administration would not have. It seems to me that the Biden administration is doing everything it can to appease the Sanders administration. There is no cause for Bernie Sanders, in other words, to criticize anything this administration has engaged in. It is, a, for all intents and purposes, Sanders' party and administration, yeah. my view. I don't think um, that we can know really just how uh, cognizant Biden is at the moment. Mm-hmm. But what I think happened is that Biden has done his Faustian deal with the devil at some point People, influential people, the people who not only moved the money but helped move the fraud in the late election, called up Biden. They said, we can make you president, and you've always wanted to be president. We know that. This is the only way you're going to become president. You're just going to Stay have in your basement. To yes. You're going to get the desk. You're going to right. get the jacket yeah. with the presidential yeah. seal. Yeah. But you are not going to run anything. You're yeah. going to do exactly what we tell you to do. And Biden, who really wanted to be president, said yes. And that's exactly what he's doing. So it's not a Biden administration. It's a conglomerate administration. We're finally experiencing a bureaucracy of, uh, I mean, it's, it's actually an aristocracy of the bureaucrats, which is all that Marxism is. This is just an early stage version of it. Biden yeah. being run by the people who made him technically president. You ever read the book Being There by Jerzy Kaczynski? Have not. Worth a read. You could do it in a night. Um, but it's a basically about Joe Biden. Uh, I want to say a roughly 1970 about a man named Chance Gardner. His real name was Ch- Ch- Chauncey, but they called him Chance. He was a gardener. They gave him the name, and he speaks in platitudes about nothing so much as gardening, and he becomes the president of the United States because everything he says about plants and gardening they think is just pearls of wisdom from the greatest statesman since, I don't know, Winston Churchill. It's a worth it's a worthwhile read. You can read it in a night. I'm very frightened, not only by George Orwell. I have to tell you these days, by but also Jersey Kaczynski. Indeed, uh, it's, it's striking because I don't think anyone is particularly fooled. Um, it's not just that the Republicans that, or or I should say, Americans people who have uh, you know an affiliation with traditional American views. It's not just that those people don't think that Biden is president. The Democrats don't yeah, really think I know he's it. president either. And I there are polls it. on this showing that you know most people don't think Biden will finish his first term, and most people don't actually think he's really completely in charge of things right now. And the difference is that it doesn't bother the progressives right. because they don't really care. They don't care about the presidency or any of the sort of fluff that they have to feed the typical American to get them to yep. swallow all of the fascism that comes behind it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. They're getting what they want, so why not keep quiet? Dan Galerner, it's always great checking in with you. Please, as usual, send my best to your wonderful family and keep your powder dry. We're going to call you again soon. Will do, and thanks for having me. Always, Dan. Thank you. God bless.
<laughs> Welcome back. Never have my producer and I had a harder time <laughs> communicating about the simplest thing. It's just it came in with the rain today, but we'll get it together. All right, all right. I apologize. Okay, fine. Thank you. <laughs> 602-508-0960. should make you comfortable. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Uh, everyone says Anthony. It's Antony. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Wait, Bill, here's a civics test for you. We require civics exams before you graduate in Arizona and other states. Thanks to uh, uh, actually thanks to the work of, of really the work of my friend Karen Karen uh, Robeson. But um, the um, the job of Secretary of State first and foremost, if I were you know visiting from Norway or something, and I said, "What does your Secretary of State do?" You would say what? Okay, And beyond running the State Department, their duties might include – amongst their duties – amongst their duties would include representing the United States of America abroad. Fair enough? Can can everyone agree on that as the job of the Secretary of State? Well, he had a different idea of his job today. He's inviting – the United Nations Council on Human Rights, also known as the UN Human Rights Council, to come to the United States with rapporteurs, investigators, so that they can what here? Investigate the scourge of racism, racial discrimination, and xenophobia in America, he put it. That's how Anthony Blinken put it. He tweeted that as the president has repeatedly made clear, great nations such as ours do not hide from our shortcomings. They acknowledge them openly and strive to improve with transparency. Yeah, I just don't know when we've ever tried to um, do the opposite. I, 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 nor, nor do I understand why we have to outsource the investigation of our problems to the Human Rights Council of the United Nation, on whose committee sits such great instructors on racism and democratic forms of government as China, Eritrea, Mauritania. Of course, you also get the Republic of Korea. You get the Russian Federation. You get the Sudan and you get Somalia. This is your Commission on Human Rights, your Council on Human Rights at the United Nations. I left out Cuba. They made it too. Do you know who's never been on the Council for Human Rights? Israel. They're not allowed. They're not allowed. Which is why Donald Trump, when he was president, took us out of the United Nations ambit on the Council of Human Rights, and we stopped participating with it. Joe Biden sees it with Russia and Cuba and China and the Sudan and Mauritania and Malawi and other great countries of democratic heartbeat. And he says through his secretary of state, bring them here, bring them to the United States to tell us what we're doing wrong to show us 
what we're doing wrong. We have moved from in what 1984 Gene Kirkpatrick called a blame America first Democratic Party to a party that now wants to do something about it in the, by outsourcing the solutions to the United Nations. It puts me in mind of what Joe Lewis said when he was asked how he could fight for this country in World War II when he knows coming home he would not have the same rights as fellow Americans who were white. And he said, with all the problems America have, there ain't no solutions Hitler has that would improve them. With all the problems America has, there ain't no solutions that a commission on the United Nations comprised of countries like Cuba and China and the Sudan and the Republic of Korea. There's just not that many I can think of where they would have any moral standing to instruct us on anything. At what point is there a diminishing return for the Secretary of State to stop sounding so stupid? Who's asking for this? At what point did we say, you know, we aren't doing enough on racism in this country. Let's go bring in the U.N. It reminds me of my joke about what they would find in the Sudan if they sent a committee here to investigate how we're handling racism. I'll reprise it when we come back. Well, if you want to know why Bill didn't have the right audio for us, it's because I sent it to the wrong Bill. I sent it to Bill Bennett, and he's not producing today. So my apologies to you on that front. Nonetheless, I wanted to close with this very strange concept because we were joking here three months ago when we started banning Dr. Seuss, and I said, you know, it's an awfully luxurious country that doesn't seem to have many problems and goes around looking for them when they don't exist that has to ban Dr. Seuss due to racism, especially when you have Barack Obama reading the book Sneetches to African Americans. And I said, you know, I can envision a town council meeting somewhere in Khartoum where they're trying to have a reconciliation between the races and they th- want to look to advanced countries and how they deal with their race problems. And if they were to send a delegation to the United States to find out how we deal with them, only to find out, well, here in America this week, you came at a good time. We're really getting serious about racism. We're banning Dr. Seuss. They'd go back laughing. Um, That was my joke, uh, sort of. Uh, At least that was my attempt at some form of humor and over over it. Uh, only to read today that the Secretary of State of the United States, Antony Blinken, is now proactively doing just that, inviting members of the UN Human Rights Council, that is to say Cubans, Chinese, and Sudanese, yeah, they made it onto that council, you bet, to come here and instruct us on what we're doing wrong when it comes to racism. They don't need to come here to do it. They don't need to come here to do it. I can answer and save a lot of money. Just pay me all the money you would otherwise reimburse them to bringing them here. Um, Because I can tell you right now how to handle it. You want to deal with the racism problem in America? Take everything the Democrats say and do the exact opposite. And you'll have a colorblind society that's built on liberty and equality. 
just as Abraham Lincoln, just as Supreme Court Justice McLean, Justice Supreme Court Justice John Marshall Harlan, and Justice Thurgood Marshall said in arguing for Brown versus Board of Education. Do that. Just stop being a racialist and you'll end racism. Until tomorrow, God bless you all and class dismissed.